Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by my two gaming dads, my favorite dudes here on planet Earth. I get to talk video games with them each and every week, and it's an absolute blast. Of course, joining me today, Mr. Paris Lilly. Paris, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It was great to hang out with you face to face last week. Uh, it was a little too short. So unfortunately, uh, I didn't get to also see Gary, but hopefully next month when studio opens, we'll all be together. Absolutely. So really looking forward to that. Really excited about that. Of course, if you've been living underneath a rock and you don't know, October, the team here at Kind of Funny is ready to unveil the brand new studio. That's right. It is finally time after years of hard work. And of course, COVID complications. We are now ready to bring everybody under one roof and give you the very best content in the awesome state-of-the-art studio that we can't wait to share with all of you very, very soon. So Paris, I loved getting to kick it with you, chop it up and have some fun. And of course, I'm now in the Bay Area, which means I get to see my other gaming dad live and in person one day very soon, the Rogue One, Mr. Gary Witta. Gary, you and I, we're in the same city. What's one thing that you're going to go do with me or take me to so I can enjoy beautiful San Francisco? That's a good, that, you know, I've not really given it a lot of thought yet, but there's a, there's a lot of good uh, places to eat, a lot, of, a lot of fun places to go. I'm, I mostly just like to eat, so it'll mostly just be eating <laughs> um, various, uh, various places. Let me, let me give it some, some thought. It's very rare that I have to kind of entertain people that come into town um but uh no we'll, we'll i'll we'll we'll pick out some some good places to eat i know what you like well, well right. I'll, I'll come up with a list of, a list of ideas for places for us to go all right i can't wait gary uh, i will say i think i chose pretty well paris i think you and i got lucky me looking on a google map and just choosing a random restaurant i think we picked pretty well where'd you, you go I. uh we went to madre gracias madres maybe something it was like mexican that yeah it was a mexican down. Yeah. And it was good. It, it, it was really good. We had some good mar uh, margaritas, mm -hmm. a great quesadilla that we shared for an appetizer. Tacos were delicious on my side. Good vibe as well, Paris. Very lively, oh, yeah, fun yeah. vibe. Over, I like that. Over, I like that. Uh, you know where we got to, you know where we got to take you, Mike? It's a San Francisco institution. We got to take you to the house of prime rib. Oh, Gary. Okay. <laughs> what a, what okay, an incredible Gary. place. Oh my God. We'll get, we'll get you the King Henry the eighth cut, the biggest one. Oh my God. It comes, it, it comes with, comes with all the trimmings. You're going to love it. We're going to get everybody listening to the podcast or watching right now real hungry because Paris, last time I saw Gary, me and him split a tomahawk 
cut. Oh, that oh nice. that's right. Nice. Special, Gary. Up that's in, right. We that's had a right. beautiful snowstorm outside. The fire was burning. We had Gary, his wife, his kid, and we were just eating big, me and Gary. It was a good time. I took you, so recently when you were in town, I took you and Kevin, we went to a local burger joint in my neighborhood, right? I took you to Papa Max. That's a good place. You like the yes. burgers there? Mm-hmm. Did they put the I curry like sauce on the French fries? I like that. Um, no, how, we got to do House of Prime Rib. It's a San Francisco institution. You'll love it. Okay, well, you know what? I'm getting to kick it with my two gaming dads, which has been really great. Of course, I've made the move to sunny San Francisco, and I'm really excited for the studio to open up here in October for all of you. The X-Cast will be bigger, better, and grander very, very soon. But guys, since we're just chopping it up and kicking starting this episode, I have some fun icebreaker questions from the community out there. And the first one comes from Chivo Guides, friend of the show. Of course, if you like achievements, you should be checking out Chivo and his awesome guides. But he writes in and says, if Xbox made a kart racing game with all of their IP, who would you choose as your kart racer? He writes in and says, mine is easily Conquer. Of course, Chivo and I very much share the love for Conquer the Squirrel. So Chivo, you kind of stole my answer, but I got a couple good ones in my bag. Paris, I'll kick it off with you. Who is your go-to kart racer if Xbox had their own big kart racing game? Oh, mine's easy. It's Grunty. It's Grunty from Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> Gotta be. I love her. Absolutely love her. 100% have to be her. I like that. Affairs, I like that. Uh, Gary Witta, who are you going to go with? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting question because it does actually expose a little bit of a weakness in the Microsoft, in the Xbox portfolio. Mm. Like they, okay. they would have a hard time doing a kart racer or a multiverses type game, right? Because they don't have, Microsoft doesn't have a terrific portfolio of, you know, these, these kind of mascot type characters. Although you could argue maybe that, you know, now that they bought in Bethesda and Activision and everything else, that maybe they, that is something that they, you know, they massively widen their portfolio. But like off the top, off the top of my head, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do like, if it, if it was one of these, if, if it was like a double dash kind of thing where I could have like two characters in the, in the car, I would, uh, I would, I would go for the Banjo uh, Kazooie team up. That might be as close as we ever get to Banjo and Kazooie, you know, coming back. Please don't say um, that. <laughs> I, know, I know it's a long held, <laughs> It's a, can you imagine the day they finally announce it? The X cast episode is going to be off the hook. Oh, the yeah. actually, actually coming back. I mean, even PlayStation struggled, right? Remember when they did PlayStation All Stars? They kind of struggled to to put that together. It just they just it, there's you got to have a lot of bench strength. You got to have a big big squad to do a, a kart type race. And you know, Nintendo obviously has it. You've seen that Warner Brothers and other, um, you know, the the, the the Disney they they can do it. Um, but you got you got to have a big big roster in order to to make a game like uh, a, a game like that viable. I, I don't have a great answer for you because I, I you know I, I'm not a huge fan of the Microsoft mascot characters that they've that they've they've built to date. I don't know. I guess I'm just going to be lazy and say Master Chief just because. I mean, but even that's not that exciting. Like, what is he going to do? Say nothing and just be a kind of <laughs> and just be kind of like a, a, a cipher type character under a helmet. You don't know what he's doing or thinking because he's behind this opaque visor i don't know I, I don't have a great answer for you who are the little I'm, guys in halo again or the the little species the grunts, grunts. yeah You're the grunts enough, yeah. They, they would be fun just playing as like a yeah. like kind of like your shy guy almost in a way playing as a grunt would be fun are those the little ones that like panic and run around as soon as you start oh, yeah. shooting at them okay oh, yeah, yeah. yeah i like those guys those guys uh, are fun no, Paris, but it, I see it, you but, were thinking of one. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well. Well. It wasn't like, slightly derailing this. Just to Gary's point. I mean, it it does expose a, a big weakness in their roster. And I would say even with them bringing in Activision and Bethesda, you know, it's still there. The one thing that that Microsoft needs to do is they don't have that classic mascot character that's 
family friendly, so to speak, right? Like right. again, when you even think about PlayStation, I think about Sackboy, I think about Ratchet and Clank. Um, you know, obviously Nintendo's roster is is massive, but you know, my Xbox just simply doesn't have that. I mean, you know, we joke around about Banjo Kazooie for that very reason because yeah. clearly that could be that mascot character for them. But I do think they need to develop new ones along the way. And we think about their roadmap and the stuff that they've already announced since 2020. There's still nothing there. There's there's still a gap there. Ori would probably be the close, but do they even own Ori? I don't know. Do they? I don't know. I, I we, we, they do. we we have talked about it before. It's not just about mascots, but it's the yeah. type of games that they're associated with. They yeah. don't have mm-hmm. that family friendly platformer in the way that Sony has Sackboy and Ratchet. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. that really that really is. I mean, maybe it's Minecraft. What's his name? Steve Bob. Yeah. I can't remember the name. Minecraft Steve. Right. Maybe 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 the Minecraft kart racer is the way to go. I don't know, but I mean, they need to. I it, it's 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 a it's a, a gap in their call it portfolio, call it like this kind of like brand offering, whatever you want to call it. Like they have a lot of great stuff, but they don't have that um, kind of cutesy mascot, whatever, you know, whatever the equivalent like Mickey Mouse or Mario or Sonic right. or Crash Bandicoot, they don't have it. So it, 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 if I was running the ship at uh, my at Xbox and looking at like the, the overall kind of strategic picture, I'd, I'd be looking at finding a way of, filling that gap either with one of the legacy characters or something that we bought in or, or generating something new. I mean, like Sonic didn't exist until Sega decided that they needed a Sonic. Right. And now, yeah. you know, the, and the rest is history. So I don't know. It's a long-term project for Xbox. I think. It'll be exciting to see. I mean, you look at Spyro crash bandicoot, you have super lucky's tail out there. Mm, uh, you could probably Psychonauts. bring into psychonauts with Raz's rights. But for yeah. me, uh, you know, I, I thought bear, you brought up the Mario Kart's, comparison right and i've said this one before uh back in the day of course brute force i would go with brutus the big alligator looking guy he would be my bowser uh i also went a little bit deeper because i mean we all know joanna dark we know master chief we know marcus phoenix we know the heavy hitters right but then i started thinking of like blinks the time sweepers uh cats of course voodoo vince then i said what if i could be terry cruz as the agent in crackdown i think he had a special name back then um but i think they originally were calling him the agent not many voice lines i feel like if he was in the cart racer would probably have more voice lines in the cart racer than in the whole game because he didn't say much and they really promoted him as the main character of that video game they but just they need to get banjo stuff. and kazooie and conquer both off the bench mm. that's what i think they need to do one of, one of these many many studios that they bought in give them these characters and say like make you know make these guys relevant again for the 20 for the 21st century let's let's again let's fill that fill that gap which again i think it's i think it's a big missing piece of their overall you know, we said before, we you know, Microsoft's got great games, Game Pass, all that stuff's terrific, but there's a big kind of family-friendly. Minecraft is currently, you know, you can look at Minecraft Dungeons, look at, my, I think Minecraft Legends is going to be a lot of fun as well. Maybe yeah. that's, maybe they consider that's their answer. And obviously, who can argue with Minecraft? Biggest game on the planet. But I feel I feel like there's, there's, there's more to be done in terms of a specific, you know, cutesy mascot-based, you know, kind of platforming type experience. There's, there's not much there. I know we've been talking about it a bunch. Hopefully that does come for the Xbox ecosystem. Let's keep it moving, guys, because we have a whole fun show to jump into. Of course, don't forget everybody watching and listening. This is the Kind of Funny Xcast. We post each and every Wednesday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time for all of you on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. Don't forget here at Kind of Funny, we are now Epic Games partners, which means you can use our Epic Creator Code anytime you're buying games off the Epic Games Store. You're upgrading your look in Rocket League fall guys rumble verse or even buying the new season pass in Fortnite. please use our epic creator code at checkout kind of funny 
to help support the team in a brand new way. And of course, talking about support, we always like to thank those who support us over on Patreon, whether you're watching live as the show is recorded a day early, like Eric Z, Mike L, or Slightly Adore. Thank you all so much for being in the live chat and in the audience. And of course, those who support us over on Patreon at the Patreon producers tier for the month of September. Shout out to Fargo Brady, Delaney Twining, Holy Krampets, James Hastings, and Casey Andrew. Thank you all so much for your support. This week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by Me Undies and Shopify, but I'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, it is finally here. Deathloop is now available on Xbox. It's been a long year of looking at the opposite side and getting excited about what Arcane did over there, but it's now finally available uh, over on the Xbox Series X and S. After a year of exclusivity on PlayStation, Arcane's hit game Deathloop is now available on Xbox Game Pass, PC Game Pass, and in the cloud with Cloud Gaming. A fun one for all of you to note, Thanks to the cloud, you can also play it on your Xbox One consoles via the streaming service there, so you can go check that one out. They have the new Golden Loop update out now for free. That includes cross-platform PvP, matchmaking, new weapon, new abilities, new enemies, and so much more. As our good friend, if you're watching right now live, Paris Lily boots it up on his Steam Deck via the cloud as well. Deathloop now here. Paris, I'm going to go to you because I know you yeah. played this. You were on the Kind of Funny review. We don't have to rehash the review. We can encourage everybody to go check out the Kind of Funny Games cast where we reviewed that last year if you want the really in-depth look at it. But Paris, I haven't played this game. Of course, Barrett got me into Dishonored and a lot of the dope arcane joints from the past. What should players on the Xbox side get excited to know about this game? Uh, it was it was one of my favorite games of 2021 for sure, and it obviously got all the accolades that it did, uh, deservedly so. Um, it's I think Blessing is the one that uh, coined this when we did the review, but it, it's basically a murder puzzle is what it is, and you're you're going through these different scenarios, different times of day, and you're having to break the loop. You have to take out these visionaries, you have to do them in a certain order, figure it all out, and once you do, it is literally putting a puzzle together. To, to get things done. The, the fun thing about Deathloop, and I don't think this got the shine that it should have, is Juliana. And the, she's the variable. And the fact that you can have a player-controlled Juliana that can literally come into your world and disrupt everything you do. We talked about this uh, in, in the review last year. It's like every time I would know Juliana would come in, I'd panic. <laughs> Every time, because it was like, oh, my God, what is she going to do? What is she going to disrupt and stop me from being able to do? That was the fun thing um, about Deathloop. So like you said, I'm not going to just completely rehash the review, but it's absolutely worth your time going to play Deathloop. Um, it is a lot of fun to play. I think the voice acting in this is phenomenal. The voice actors for Colt and Juliana, which are basically your two main characters, um, is is fantastic and um i i think everyone should definitely check this out now that it is on xbox it's a part of game pass like i was just doing now you're able to just boot it up on the cloud to check it out um obviously you can play it on your series x or s and then like you alluded to um you can play this on the xbox one via cloud streaming as well um i i messed around just a little bit on pc i i, I need to jump back in more and check that out but it has ray tracing on there. there there's that golden loop update that's out there for it now 
um, you know, which, which adds more content to it. And then again, I want to see PC wise performance that I'll get on and I need to jump on the series X and see what the performance looks like on there. But there's the different, what there's a performance mode Then you can play it in what 4k 30 with ray tracing, but then there's also, you can play it in 4k 60 with a performance quality mode, things like that. But um, yeah, absolutely. Go check out death loop. It's really good, really good game. And I think for people that are, you know, obviously it's an Xbox show when we talk about game pass and stuff like that, this is a sign of things to come because next up, we know we're going to get Redfall. We know we're going to get Starfield, things like that, that are, are going to be coming from Bethesda. So some quality titles should be on the way. And Paris, I'll, I'll allude to something we'll talk about a little bit later, but how long do you think it would be to, how much time would you think it would take to beat this game? Well, you know, there's speed runs now, right? Oh. I, think, I think people, I think people are doing this in like 45 minutes. Wow. You know, if not less than that, I, I could be off on that. I mean, I did it a couple times, you know, when I did my initial playthrough, but obviously I'm, I'm not good enough or skilled enough to be doing it in 45 minutes. But I think on my second one, because I knew the order I needed to take out the visionaries, I was able to do it in like four hours, I think, something like that. Okay. Wasn't that yeah. bad. But, but, but that's the whole point. Once you figure out the puzzle that it's that Juliana variable that can come in. And if you're playing with people that you can have a human controlled Juliana jumping in, that's what adds more challenge and replayability to it doing that way. And then obviously, you know, you're going to have people that want to do speed runs as well. Gary, what are you jumping into death loop now that it's finally on the Xbox ecosystem? Well, it's interesting you asked that question about how long to beat because they just didn't they just add that functionality into the into the Xbox app. I'm trying to find it. Here it is. So I just I just opened out how long to beat 15 hours for the main. This is according to the how long to beat, which is the IGN mm -hmm. service that they've recently integrated into um, into the Xbox app. 15 hours for the main story. 22 hours if you if you play for extras as well uh, on top of the main story. 33 hours if you want to be a completionist. So there's, oh there's your answer. That's oh a good, that, that's a go, good little, go um, little, I didn't know too mm -hmm. much about how long to beat, but now they've integrated. That's a good little service. I just went to speed, speedrun.com and looked up Deathloop. <laughs> 15 minutes. I mean, wow. those speedrunners well, are insane, yeah, they're, they're You know what the they're like. And stuff like that. Glitching, that ex glitching yeah. and exploiting and doing everything they can. I saw someone yeah. that, um, somebody just put up a Last of Us uh, remake part one remake uh, speed run. Like it's like 30 minutes or something. It's mad. I don't know how yeah. they do it. That's, wow, that's impressive. That's really impressive. Gary, you're going to jump into this one and check it out though. Um, yes. So I've actually had it installed on my PlayStation five for a really long time <laughs> since it came out on PS five. I never got around to playing it. Hey, because there's just always something else that's like, I, I know it has a great reputation and my friend Shannon played it to death and loved it and was recommending it um you know it got terrific reviews there's a lot about i really like the aesthetic i love that kind of retro spy 60s yep. kind of aesthetic like you know team fortress 2 has that great vibe to it um some of us are old enough to remember you know no one lives forever and those mm -hmm. kind that kind of vibe i Bring love that, that back by the way i, lo I love that 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 kind of 60s retro yeah. um in like flynn type vibe um it's just you know it's on playstation i have to switch hdmi inputs it's a whole production <laughs> i'm just, no, it's too much <laughs> <laughs> needs it. now it now that it's on xbox i can i can play it and i'll get the achievements as well i, I do want to play it. i just you, usually when something's on playstation but i know it's eventually coming to the xbox i'm likely to wait and that's exactly what happened here so now that it is on xbox i'm i'm, I'm gonna get into it for sure i got some other games i want to finish up first but it'll be the next one up gary what if for jabronis like myself who don't know what no one lives forever is can you give me a quick rundown of this? Because I just looked it up. Developer Monolith Productions. Oh, yes. yeah. You don't know yes. this one, Mike? You don't, no, you I don't this. know this one. 
So Monolith back in the day, I don't remember. It, it was like a late nineties, I think, mm-hmm. game when it first came out. They did they did a sequel as well yeah, as I there believe. Was a sequel. It's essentially a J, like a sixties James Bond kind of retro tribute. It's got like you know almost like Austin Powers kind of vibe. If you okay. if you're familiar with the Team Fortress two aesthetic, where everything just kind of has that kind of throwback retro. It's very much inspired not just by James Bond, but a lot of the kind of the spy movies of the 60s where it was very you know austin powers has the same influence you know it's it's very kind of yeah baby kind of girls in you know 60s fashion and a particular kind of music and like collars and flared you know, big collars and flared trousers and you know it's that 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 kind of aesthetic that hasn't aged terribly well but now it's kind of cool again because it is so anachronistic no one lives forever was actually a really really fun game that was set in that kind of world and that's what set it apart that was the marketing hook but but underneath that there was actually a really really solid shooter paris you played it back in the day right no yeah, one lives forever I, was a really fun game yeah i actually just i just wikipedia it just to get the year it was 2000 actually okay so wow. right yeah okay, okay right, yeah mm-hmm. that sounds about right yeah yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, everything that you're saying, it has that that Austin Powers in like Flint type yeah. of vibe to it. Yeah. You know, you know, comedic aspect to it. But yeah, it was fun. I would love to see the comeback. And not to derail from what you're saying, but speaking of Monolith, I, I want Fear to come back too. I, wow. I, that, that's yeah. another one I would Monolith love to see made, them. Monolith did some good games back in yeah. the day. Mm-hmm. But if I if I could bring anything back from from the Monolith days, I think like a modern like a modern like next gen um uh bring back no one lives forever that would be just imagine the oh, potential yeah. would be amazing yeah, what, what, be really i mean good. where where is monolith now does it do they even still exist was that did they get consumed by they either got consumed by ea or warner brothers it was one of the two i can't yeah, remember i don't, I don't think one. they exist as an entity yeah. anymore mm-hmm. but it was a show i used to remember like a new monolith game we used yeah. to be something to like pay attention to back in the day yep and then we've got totally um uh, sidetracked <laughs> here in in the absence of that if you've got that kind of in like flint you know austin powers retro james bond kind of 60s 70s kind of throwback vibe mm-hmm. if you've got got that itch I, Deathloop, as i understand it We'll, we'll we'll scratch that itch for you. Well, that's why I'm telling okay. you the di- the dial from a dialogue standpoint with between Colt and Juliana, just like when Colt's basically you know doing his little inner monologue and like talking, like it's it's so good, it's mm-hmm. so good, definitely worth your time checking it out. Yeah, that's I'm gonna play it for right, sure. Really quick. Are you guys I talking have, about the same monolith that made yeah, like, the Shadow of Law I am Mortar? exactly yeah. bad. So I'm looking it up. Some of the games that they're promoting is the Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor. They're promoting Fear and Fear Two. Shout out Guardians of Middle Earth, the MOBA Lord of the Rings game I always bring up. They're working on and they're uh, Wonder also Woman. Wonder Woman. Yep. Yeah, so they're promoting Wonder Woman here on the front page of the website. So, we'll so they're still around. That one. Yeah, I just okay. thought they were one. So, so but they're part of Warner Brothers. I knew it was something like yeah. that. That that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it's it's changed a lot. But when I when I think of yeah. Monolith, I go back to I remember like we used to have Monolith games come in when I was when I was editor of. PC gamer back in the late nineties. There we go. No one lives forever. There was no one lives forever. Two. Mm-hmm. Oh, con- they did condemned and condemned two. I remember mm-hmm. those games. Yeah, were good fun. They were on that the, was the when Wii they were, launch. When that they were like the on Wii, the right? On, no, they were on when they on like the the Dreamcast or something. Condemned. I believe condemned was on the three sixty because I think it's on backwards compatible. Oh no, that's I what thought... it was. It was a three sixty title. That's Wasn't what it that, was. I thought it was the yeah. Wii. Wasn't the Wii? Man, this is we'll Tron 2.0. Right oh, they did the Matrix Online, my favorite dead MMO. I loved the Matrix Online. <laughs> Get out of town, Gary. They did a bunch of they did a bunch of good stuff. And Fear, 
And obviously now, you know, you've got like Callisto and oh, you're right. And, it was um, a 360. They, yeah. they, you know, and and uh, you know, Dead Space came along later and kind of took that mantle. But back in the day, Fear was kind of the first game to marry the concept of a first-person, an action first-person shooter mm. with horror. And it felt like it seemed like a really strange combination back in the day, but they they pulled it off. And I think it was the precursor to a lot of the kind of Dead Space, Callisto protocol type games that have come along since. Well, there you go. Of course, Deathloop now available for all you Xbox gamers out there. If you want to know the big in-depth kind of funny review and insights, you can go check that out over on the kind of funny games cast. That's going to be a while back. So you can go look it up and take on your YouTube search algorithm to find that. But guys, let's keep it moving. Because Xbox had a big Tokyo game show in a big week last week. A lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to pull from. And so I kind of got some of the big messages from last week from the show and from some interviews that went on with Sarah Bond and Phil Spencer. So, of course, Paris, Lily, and Gary and all of our audience, you know the big message from Xbox is meeting players where they are on console, PC, cloud. It doesn't matter. They have the desire to push towards a future with limited to no barriers for gamers to play with who they want, where they want, and wherever or however they want. That was a big message there. Of course, Team Xbox working with Japanese and Asian developers to bring even more games and original games to the platform and Game Pass. That was a big quote right there from Sarah Bond about original games when we look back on Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon. And of course, they are still committed to the Japanese market and devoted to helping those developers in the region um, Paris, a little before we get into kind of the bigger quotes here, when we look back on that, what did you take away from Tokyo Game Show and kind of that first quotes there that I went over? I, I took my main takeaway from that is they're committed to the Asian market. They're committed to Japan. Um, I think this is probably the biggest commitment, if not more, than during the middle of the 360 era when you did have Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey, things like that. I think, you know, them, you know, Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond personally going out to Japan, sitting down with Hideo Kojima and I would assume other Japanese studios and having those face-to-face conversations about bringing those games to to the Xbox ecosystem, to Game Pass, you know, exposing them, you know, to more people here in the Western market, things like that. That's what I took from that and you know it's obviously very cliche to say it's marketing the whole thing bringing games to where the players are but i literally just did an example of that right now when i pulled up death loop on my steam deck you know this isn't an xbox device but i'm able to pull up an xbox game via cloud streaming on that because i had game pass and that was kind of the message that they are continuing to convey during the tokyo game show i'm actually you know, like I, I tweeted it and it was amazing to see how many people were responding to me because I've never, Barrett, shout out Barrett, but I've never played Persona, any of them. So I'm like, yeah. is Persona 5 Royale, is this the one that I should start with or is there something else I should go back and play? They're like and Final the fact, Fantasy. Yeah. yeah, that's what I know it now because that's what everybody told me. <laughs> but the point on that is I'm going to have access to those games. I'm going to be able to play those games in whatever order I so choose you know, eventually. So it's a great message. It, w- it was good to see that they're not ignoring, you know, the Japanese market. They're not going to n- ignore uh, JRPGs, things like that. They're going to bring them into the Game Pass service and an Xbox ecosystem. So again, it's just a win-win for gamers. 
Yeah, win-win, and some great games showed off. Of course, Gary, I want to get to you because I know you're a big Yakuza fan, and you've really loved some of these JRPGs, but like you brought up, Paris, right? Seeing Persona after Barrett teased us for so long in the early yeah. years of the X-Cast that we're never going to get it right. We finally are getting near that October release for Persona 5 on Game Pass, mind you, but also some other great ones, right? Ninu Kuni uh, looked really great, right? Rampa is on the way, and then also... Blessing has been getting me more and more accustomed to fighting games and seeing Blaze Blue, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Team Battle and Guilty Gear Strive coming to Game Pass. They just look so cool. That art style in the fighting game genre is pretty badass. And so that's some of the exciting polls that you saw from the big game presentation. Gary, bring you in because you have been dipping your toes into JRPGs and seeing a little bit more of that. Are you happy with the offerings that you've been given so far? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, historically, you know, Japan has always been a bit of a flaw in Xbox's kind of global uh, picture. And I, I remember back in the day when they made a big, they, they've, this is not the first time, not to right. sound skeptical, I'm not. I actually think they'll, they'll, they'll make a good go of it this time. But historically, this is not the first time they've said this. Oh, we're going to take Japanese the market seriously. We're going to go in in a big way. I remember when they launched the Xbox 360, they made a similar song and dance about all these JRPGs and, um, and relationships with Japanese developers. And then, you know, not long later, there were these, you know, pictures coming out of like, you know, Japanese retailers are like just massive piles of Xbox 360s that nobody wanted to buy. Um, Japanese gamers, I think, traditionally, historically, have always been more loyal or, or, or have preferred the Japanese systems. Initially, you know, Nintendo and Sega, and then later Sony have kind of dominated the Japanese market. And Xbox, for whatever reason, there's a lot of theories, have always kind of struggled to kind of break into that, into that scene. Um, one way to do that, of course, is to, you know, put more of the type of games that Japanese gamers like JRPGs, um, want to play on the, on the system. They tried that with the 360 for whatever reason, it never really made much of a difference. Working with Hideo Kojima obviously has the potential to, to kind of change that equation like you know, few, um, developers, uh, can. If, if Hideo Kojima comes out with an exclusive game on the Xbox, that's going to move the needle. Very few developers you can say that about, but he's certainly one of them. Uh, and yeah, it's interesting to me. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to own all the systems, so I can go where wherever the the, the games are. Right now, I would say if, if 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 you said to me what game system should I buy, I'm not I'm not going to make a recommendation right away. I'm going to say, well, what do you like? What do you want it for? What do you want to do? What kind of games do you like to play? Because there are differences. If they say, oh, JRPGs, not right now. No, I'm not going to recommend an Xbox. I would recommend a Switch or a PlayStation because I feel like again, as the Japanese systems, that's where the Japanese style games like JRPGs tend to you know more commonly be found and there is some 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 ground uh to make up there and for me I, again I, as as someone who in recent years has become more of a jrpg fan initially with paper mario was my gateway drug back in the day as silly as it was uh but then more recently persona 5 like a dragon 7 um persona 5 like those those i've really like started to understand what it is about the jrpg kind of turn-based combat you know build up your characters go explore the world like i love all the big big involving story 100 hours like mega experience i you know when when the right game comes along like persona 5 and like a dragon 7 are probably two of the greatest experiences i've ever had playing video games i love them so much so i'm definitely like fully open to the idea of more jrpgs coming to the xbox Again, I think it's early. Again, I, I've, I've seen and heard these noises out of Xbox before. This time we're taking the Xbox, the Japanese market seriously. We're working with big name Japanese developers. We're bringing Japanese style games to the Xbox. Let, let, let's see where they are in, in, a, in a year. Because again, historically, I think there has been, whether it's, whether it's a cultural or psychological, whatever, there's some resistance to the Xbox in Japan that they have struggled 
to break through uh, before. I think things arguably are different now. You know, there's, there's a feel-good factor around the Xbox that wasn't present during the Xbox One generation. Again, I think the whole Xbox One generation was kind of a wash. Um, let's let's see what they can let's see what they can do now. I think that you know, with, with Phil at the helm and some of this, and working with people like Kojima, there's a better opportunity now. Is that enough to break the historical, cultural, traditional resistance there has been in Japan to the Xbox? Who knows? We'll we'll see. I mean, I, I like the fact that they've never given up. They are still trying. It has it has become a bit of a meme over the years. Xbox in Japan, lots of unsold consoles. We'll we'll see if they can change things this time around. Some other cool ones to keep an eye out. Of course, they did announce a new Overwatch 2 character. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is now available on Game Pass, which was pretty special. And then two ones that I pulled that I really liked. Of course, Pal World is now coming to Xbox. That is, if you haven't seen it, an outrageous looking game that is like Pokemon, but the Pokemon have guns and use guns, which is pretty wild to see. There's crafting, there's guns with Pokemon. It is absolutely insane and i do look forward to checking this game out definitely on xbox so that will be fun and another one is uh wulong fallen dynasty this is from team ninja there's a demo available and it's coming to game pass i played the demo last week if you like neo neo 2 if you like any of the dark souls games you're gonna really like this game it is fast it's furious it is punishing of course just like all those games in this caliber and genre it is a ton of fun and it's a must try demo right now because man, it's badass and the art style is super cool here from Team Ninja. So I highly encourage people to check that out. An awesome get for Game Pass. That's a cool one to have for sure. Keeping it going, guys, we have a lot of big quotes because, of course, Phil Spencer out in Japan with Sarah Bond also did an interview with CNBC, and we got to talking about the business. We got to talking about acquisitions and so much more. So the first one, of course, is Microsoft isn't done with acquisitions. We do know that because Phil Spencer talked about the business's goal of remaining competitive in the space amongst companies like Tencent and Sony. Microsoft will continue to invest in its internal teams and look to build new partnerships as well. Of course, quote from Phil Spencer, the work for us never ends. It's a competitive market and I want to make sure Xbox is at the forefront of innovation and competition. End quote. Of course, that is the quote from your leader. We've kind of seen that. We know that they're not done. But last week, Paris and Gary, we talked with Danny Pena about some comments from Jim Ryan about an inadequate deal for Sony PlayStation gamers and them not being pleased with a three-year grace period with Call of Duty. And now, on the UK side, the CMA, UK's Competition and Markets Authority, look to go a little bit deeper into this acquisition. So I pose the question to both of you. Is this Blizzard Act or Activision Blizzard and King Deal possibly in trouble right now due to Sony and some of these comments? And is there a way for Phil Spencer to maybe twist the narrative or is it all good behind the scenes, Paris? Like I said, on Thursday, it was announced that the UK CMA will go a little bit deeper into this investigation. Of course, we know a number of regulatory bodies all around the world are looking into this to make sure it is good on their side for this deal to go through. Pairs with this deal, are you worried at all that Sony could block this and cause a problem where it doesn't actually go through? No, I mean, I still think it's going to go through and this just goes back to our comments from last week. I just think a lot of this is, is, is posturing, trying to see what you can get 
without, you know, if you don't put up a fight, then you're not going to get anything, right? So you got to say something. But I think ultimately the deal st- still goes through. Maybe there's a few concessions here or there, but I don't, I don't see anything ultimately completely falling apart to where Xbox is not or Microsoft is not going to be able to acquire Activision. I do think it'll go through. Like I said, maybe there's a small concession here or there. But other than that, I, I, I don't see this stopping. Gary, what are you of the same mind as Paris? Is this this is going through, or are we going to have an issue at all? I'm trying to think of the last time that a major corporate merger didn't get waved through by the regulatory authorities. Like, when's the last time one of these things was stopped? They generally get waved through because you know, in this day and age, government will will usually find a way to accommodate what big business wants. It's just the way the world works. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes in the EU and in some european countries they tend to be a bit more proactive we've seen the crackdown on gambling and um you know loot boxes and things like that in a way that i'd like to see more of uh here in the us but for the most part i mean i guess this is coming out of the uk right the uk governmentally is a shit show at the moment so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't really <laughs> expect um too you know too much positive to come out of that microsoft is a major major corporation and you know again not to sound too cynical but major corporations generally get get what they want out of big governments so i think this will probably work out in microsoft's favor in the end okay paris i I want to turn back to you because you brought up concessions right we talked about of course this deal three years with call of duty still being on playstation and we also talked about big business and all the money with that user base probably continuing past that what would be a concession that you could see from this could we see call of duty you know you and i have talked about phil spencer leaving just a little bit of wiggle room in some of these comments do you see this possibly being forever on PlayStation, we never go to fully exclusive with Call of Duty? I don't think it'll be a thing where they can forever say, as long as Call of Duty exists, it always has to be on a PlayStation platform or whatever, right? But maybe they do something to where there can no longer be, you know, the the DLC has to also come out day and date or something. I think ultimately all this comes down to, from our conversation last week, PlayStation doesn't want Call of Duty on Game Pass. (laughs) That's what I think. Personally, I don't think they want it day and date on Game Pass because that clearly is going to give Xbox a tactical advantage because why am I going to go spend $70 to play it when I can subscribe to Game Pass, get Call of Duty, and I get all this other stuff too? Just makes sense. So I don't know. I Like I said, when I say concession, I just think it's something going to be small marketing-wise, maybe with DLC or something. I just... I, I don't see Call of Duty of all things being like to Gary's point, holding up this major of an acquisition. I as big as Call of Duty is, it's not that big in the grand scheme of things, right? So, no, I think it goes through. I think what what we now know with that three year, it'll stay past. I think that's probably maybe the extended year, or maybe it's four years. But beyond that, I, I don't see it being too much. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel the same way there, Paris. I, I do see this going through. Of course, it is interesting to have these conversations and to be able to see Jim Ryan with these comments, right? And then hear Phil Spencer's kind of retort, but also not really giving the full details, of course, as this deal's going through on his side of things, but also like thinking about the competition, 
right? Is Call of Duty that big that would cause a holdup here? Like you said, right? It's not, and it probably should go through. But, you know, PlayStation makes it seem like as if Call of Duty is the biggest and the baddest, and they don't have an answer for that. And would that lessen the competition and cause problems for Sony and beyond for other companies there if this deal goes through? Kind of interesting and exciting to be watching this live and in person. Because here's a question I have about this. Um, Like, I think Minecraft, because I think ultimately this will be treated the same as Minecraft, right? So how does that, like, I'm, I'm just so fascinated behind the scenes how all this works from a business standpoint. How does that work with Minecraft, that Minecraft is on Nintendo and on PlayStation? Is there a contract that is signed that it, we have a contract that Minecraft is on PlayStation for the next five years, mm-hmm. right? Is that something that is negotiated every so often, right, on a con- contractual basis? Or is it just assumed that Minecraft is always going to be on these platforms? Or could Microsoft at any point in time decide, you know what, we no longer want Minecraft on PlayStation and they take it away. How does that work? Because I think however that works is how it's going to work with Call of Duty. Yeah, you would think it can't be Xbox just all of a sudden says we've had our fill. We're done now, right? Like the next Mm -hmm. generation. It's got to be some sort of big contract. And of course, Call of Duty and all of these Blizzard and Activision and King titles will probably have some sort of contracts with other parties, right? Of yeah, we'll put it on this for X amount for X amount of years. You would have to think so. And if Phil and them have brought up three years, I'm sure there's something already in place. And that's the negotiation. Paris, what would you want in negotiations for 10 years of Call of Duty? How much money? How many games? What would you ask for? Oh, man, I don't even know where to start on that one. I'll, I'll probably say something that's way too low for, from a money standpoint. <laughs> yeah, again, I, like I said, I, I don't know how that stuff works. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I would assume it's some type of sales percentage, right? So I, I don't I don't know. I, I really don't know. I guess right now, what is what's the typical thing? 70, 30 or something yeah. like that? I would imagine you're I'm going to guarantee that this game is going to stay on this platform at, and you're going to get this percentage split. We'll take our 30 percent, you know, whatever the case, right? Like I said, I don't, I don't know. I, and, and I think what Jim Ryan did was he opened up this discussion that we're having right now because nobody was talking about this or thinking about the business aspects of it until that happened. Obviously, the CMA stuff is what initially kicked it off, Phil's response, and then now Jim Ryan kind of giving us a peek behind the curtain on what they've currently promised that they're going to let, let PlayStation have. Like I said before last week, I just think they probably said, look, We'll give you past the current deal. We'll give you an an additional three years. And then at that point, we'll sit down and negotiate something else. But I don't think the plan would be when PlayStation 6 and Xbox Series 12 or whatever it's going to be called comes out that Call of Duty won't be there. PlayStation 6. I think it would be. But if whatever their negotiation would be doesn't work, then they obviously have the right to not have the game be on that platform. Gary Witta out there, of course. I'm looking at you here. You are my MMO guy. Phil also had comments about Final Fantasy XIV and them still having the desire to try to bring that MMO over to Xbox after years later. Is this something that still piques your interest? Do you still want this big Final Fantasy MMO on the Xbox ecosystem? No, I don't. I mean, for me, I, I've had opportunities to play Final Fantasy XIV on PC. And, you know, I've, I've actually been looking for, like, the next big MMO for a while and, and whatever for whatever reason nothing's really kind of caught my attention nothing certainly since like the glory days of world of warcraft that i can never ever go back to although again that's uh, that brings me back to a point that we've talked about before with microsoft 
uh, acquiring Blizzard, I do think there is an opportunity for, the, for them to try and bring some kind of console-specific version of, of World of Warcraft exclusive to the Xbox. I think there's an opportunity um, there for sure. The whole exclusivity question is, in, in general is really interesting. Someone in, in the comments actually made for once, I believe it uh, or not, someone actually made a, a good point in one of the comment sections the other day. And it's and 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 to Paris. I actually wanted to put this to Paris because I thought it was an interesting point, and I wanted to hear your reaction to. It. I know Paris, you've and, and I've gone along with you for. I've kind of gone back and forth, but I know you've always been on the in, in, in the argument of, you know, we put put forward the argument they can. The best case scenario is like win win, right? Pl publish it on PlayStation, Call of Duty, make the money from publishing it there, sell a lot of copies, but you still have it on. You still have the advantage of the best experiences on Xbox because Game Pass, and we can make special features, exclusive first things, like Xbox exclusive right. you know, DLC and stuff like that. Somebody made the point as well. Why not just do that with Halo? Like publish Halo on the PlayStation as well. Make a make a make a load of money publishing it there, but you still have the advantage of it being Game Pass on on Xbox and ex exclusive DLC. And so that seems unthinkable, right? That would never happen. But Call of Duty is now or soon will be Microsoft's exclusive property as much as Halo is. So why not treat it the same way? Our exclusives are, are our exclusives. It's not, not, not enough to just say, well, Game Pass is, is better. Like we're, we are going to play all out war here and we're going to bring as many of these like big titles that, 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 dra that draw people to our platform exclusively to us. Like just bring the hammer down and say, look, if you want Call of Duty, you got to get an Xbox or at least get a Game Pass subscription and play it on the dongle or whatever, but we are we are going to play hardball and just take it away from PlayStation. I don't know. There's probably some like critical flaw to that Halo argument that I'm missing, but uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? The idea that you know, if, it, if it's an Xbox exclusive, it's an Xbox exclusive. I think it goes back to, believe it or not, something Phil Spencer said when they acquired Bethesda. Remember when they went out there and they did the sit-down? they're not going to take legacy stuff away from where if it existed there before, they're not going to take it away. Right. But I think new experiences, they basically are going to make those exclusive. So to, to that point, call of duty is a legacy franchise. And obviously we know there's other factors that matter in there that, okay, we're not going to take that away from where it, it has existed, but something new like Redfall or Starfield or whatever, what, whatever this new, there's some new IP that that Activision is working on, right? No, they're going to be exclusive. And Phil basically reiterated that during during the interviews that he's done in, in Japan during Tokyo Game Show. They're still going to have exclusives. But I think the bigger the bigger uh, definition on that needs to be exclusives don't mean on one platform anymore. Exclusive means, all right, it'll be exclusive to our console but we're going to put it on PC. We're going to have it available via the cloud stuff. And I think, honestly, PlayStation's technically doing the same thing, too. They're just kind of a few years behind where Xbox is. So to that point, you leave Call of Duty where it is because there's a legacy there and there's a big audience there. And, and you, you're, you're going to miss out on revenue, potentially, if you just completely took it off of that platform we're also going to make sure it's available on PC. We're going to make sure it's available on these cloud streaming devices and obviously on our own platform. And we're going to tie it into our subscription service because we want everyone to subscribe yeah. to our subscription service. No, I think you're right. I think, I think the legacy title argument is the, is the right rebuttal to that, to that halo point, which I think is interesting, but again, un, under, under further examination doesn't, doesn't really stand up. The idea that there's it's, it's optically potentially very bad for Microsoft to be seen like take, oh, we're taking call of duty away right, from all right. of these like, legacy 
PlayStation gamers, they are potentially leaving money on the table by not continuing. Like, who wouldn't want the revenue stream of publishing Call of Duty on PlayStation, right? There's a lot of money to be made there, not just through the sales, but also, you know, Warzone, you know, Battle Passes and all that kind of stuff. That's that's a massive, massive um, market. And also the idea that, again, through Game Pass, they still, you know, the shoe, the shoe has always been on the PlayStation foot with Call of Duty. Yes, available on all play, on all platforms. But PlayStation, like when, when the chips are down, PlayStation is still the place to play because they get, oh, we exclusive Spec Ops mode only available on PlayStation for like a whole year, which, as we all know, is the entire life cycle of a Call of Duty game, right? They only last mm-hmm. a year before the next one comes along. Now, yeah, the shoe is on the other foot. You, you, do you, okay, Call of Duty is on every platform. You can either pay 70 bucks for it because it's eventually, it might be too long before it is 70 bucks. 70 bucks for it on PlayStation, or you can just get it rolled into your Game Pass uh, subscription. Plus, you know, we're going to make exclusive DLC and stuff like that. And Sony's never going to be able to make a, a, a similar offering, right? They're never going to be able to put it on PlayStation Super Duper Plus Essential Extra with Rainbow Sprinkles or whatever they call those different tiers because Microsoft just won't allow it. They're just not going to make that deal with Sony. Game Pass is going to be the only place where you're going to get Call of Duty like rolled into your subscription service. Everyone else is going to be stuck paying 70 bucks a year for it. And that's a very good argument to to switch over to Xbox if you're a Call of Duty player. Well, we will keep our eyes on this deal. Of course, we are still in that regulatory investigation process, but so much more to come. We also have some Phil Spencer comments about price increases for the Xbox console and what Xbox gamers should know. But I'm going to tell you all about that right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by me undies. We've all heard of gut instinct, but have you ever heard of butt instinct? It's when your butt tells you it wants new undies. Listen, to your butt. Luckily, we work with MeUndies, makers of the most buttery, soft, and sustainable undies, bralettes, and socks that exist. You know that I have lived my life, MeUndies, head to toe for the majority of the last couple years. I'm just all in on MeUndies because they are absolutely the most comfortable uh, clothes I've ever put on my body. Available in sizes extra small to 4XL. They have new colors and prints dropping weekly, so there's always something exciting to check out. You can try their free-to-join membership for free shipping on every order and exclusive perks like an item shipped to your door every month, secret sales, and early access to their newest stuff. MeUndies has a great offer for you guys out there. For any first-time purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. That's MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. Shout out to Shopify for sponsoring this episode. Shopify powers our very own kindoffunny.com slash store, our merch store. And we love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Shopify unlocks the opportunity of your business to more people every day, every 28 seconds. An entrepreneur like you makes the first sale on Shopify. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. You can go to shopify.com slash kfgames all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash kfgames right now. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash kfgames, all lowercase. 
All right, guys, welcome back. Of course, last week we talked about an Xbox representative commenting on the Xbox stance for console price increases. Now we have it straight from your leader, Phil Spencer, who has reiterated Xbox's stance on price increases for the consoles with, quote, we're always evaluating our business going forward. So I don't think we can ever say on uh we i don't think we can always uh we can ever say on anything that we will never do something but when we look at our consoles today and when you talked about it series x and s we think the value is incredibly important we love the position of series s in the market which is our lower cost console over half of our new players that we're finding are coming in through series s and i can definitely say we have no plans today to raise the price of our consoles. We think in a time when our customers are more economically challenged and uncertain than ever, we don't think it's the right move for us at this point to be raising prices on our console. Gary Witta, right from the horse's mouth. Of course, Phil Spencer commenting on that. It is not the right time, but you can never say never on a project and a preposition like this. What do you think about them still sticking firm to not raising the price? Yeah, I mean, it's really all he can say. I mean, the worst thing you can do in a position like Phil's is make some kind of definitive statement that you can't back up. Like, we're never going to raise the price of like <laughs> of the Xbox because you know what's going to happen tomorrow, <laughs> right. right? You know, so, so the, the supply chain issues, things that happen out of your control, and suddenly you've got no choice, and now they can come back and hang you for the thing that you said, right? You, the politicians and business leaders are smart enough to never make these kind of definitive statements because they always want to give themselves a little bit of wiggle room uh, and, and, and out just in case circumstances change. And, you know, but I think what he's saying right now is probably reflective of the truth. Right now, they do have the advantage, right? Sony had, unfortunately had to eat a big you know, PR clangor in, in the fact that they raised the price, the price of the PlayStation uh, in various territories around the world. Microsoft and Nintendo have been able to resist that. So that's that's the win that they're taking right now. Every day that those, those prices remain the same, they're, they're clocking up a little bit of a win. Um, I don't think Phil needs to double down on that by saying something frankly dumb like oh yeah when 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 like for the next year we're never not going to raise pre you cannot make definitive statements like that because the world changes every day you wake up tomorrow and again there's been a supply chain crisis or something's happened that is outside of your control and you've got no choice but to raise prices and then that statement's going to come back and haunt you so i think what he's saying right now is there are no immediate plans to raise it just right now you know we're you know we're, we're the better value which he doesn't need to say people know that um is is the right way to to go about it i think if he was um I think if he did come out and say, oh, yeah, we're never going to raise the price or the price is going to stay the same throughout the life, life of the system, um, he'd probably have like Satya Nadella on the phone and say, what the hell are you doing? You can't, how do you know that? You can't say that because there are, you know, even <laughs> even even when you're in, when you're someone like Phil Spencer and there's a tremendous amount that is within your control, there's always a bunch of stuff that's outside of your control that could force you to change your plans. Paris, are you happy with, of course, the confirmation from uh, Phil Spencer here and the wiggle room, as we always talk about? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm always looking for the value. I'm always looking for, you know, trying to save money. So the fact that they're coming out saying that is, like you said, it's good for consumers, especially during this time. Um, and then when you think about something like the Series S at the price point that it currently is, you know, to, to your point about the numbers you talked about, makes a lot of sense. Uh, that was something I was very skeptical of coming into this generation. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you making that? Now it makes a complete sense why why they did it. And, um, you know, it's honestly probably the most played system in my house right now is the Series X over, over the X. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're not raising the price. Um, it's it, it does show 
a sign of goodwill from from them to the consumers. But Phil Spencer being Phil Spencer, we, we're, we're pretty used to this now. There's always that 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 wiggle room. There's always that percentage <laughs> that he leaves just right there on the edge, just in case. But it's to Gary's point, you can't be definitive in that because what if something drastically changed that they would have to raise the price? Now they look like the bad guy because you said you weren't going to raise the price. You said you would never do it, and now you did. Um, but hopefully, you know, to his point, we won't see that at all if 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 anything in, in the short term but we don't see any type of price increase you know coming coming on the xbox yeah it's nice to have that reassurance especially looking towards the second half of the year and really yeah. the holiday season yeah. for families and friends where you can encourage them and you're not too worried about oh we're going to have a price increase and we're going to have a weird conversation there that is really nice to have well guys coming out of the tokyo game show and last week i got some fun stuff for, of course, Gary Witta, myself included, because you know, Paris, we're big Ted Lasso fans over here. Yeah. We love football, and we got a special one because, Gary, I got a cool one for you. Ted Lasso, on his Twitter account, might be coming to FIFA 23. Wait, course, what? Over on his Twitter account today, the official Ted Lasso account, they wrote... Look out, Mario. You're not the only pixelated man with a mustache who never knows where the tube is taking him, end quote, with an image, of course, of Jason Sudeikis in front of a bunch of cameras like he's being scanned in to a game, Gary Witta. Of course, there have been some leaks and hints that maybe FC or AFC Richmond uh, is possibly getting into the game this year for FIFA 2023. What do you think about this, Gary? It's the first I've heard of it, but it's, it, I mean, it sounds like a bit of harmless fun. Why not, right? We all like Ted Lasso. Um, and even even as an English person who's like more likely to be irritated by all the little kind of weird cultural things that aren't quite accurate, um, I, I enjoy Ted Lasso a lot. Um, and yeah, I, why not? Let's have a bit of fun. Put AFC Richmond in there. Let's have Jamie Tart. And yes. if, if they can make Roy Kent a playable character, like a legacy character or something, that would be tremendous. But I think, I, you know, and um, what's the name? Oh, Danny Rojas. Like, there's a lot of fun. Let's scan them all in and have Ted Lasso on the sideline. I think they, they, could have, uh, they could have a bit of fun with that. Why not? I'm all for it. I totally agree, Gary. This is something now I want, right? This isn't a question of I hope. I want this to happen really, really bad. Because, yeah, like you said, getting Jamie Tart, getting the whole team in there. And I would love to see Coach Beard. I would even like to see Nate the Great in there. I would love to see the whole squad for AFC Richmond on the sidelines and playable would be a ton of fun in Paris. That's where I want to bring you in because the cool one that got me thinking is what if we did make a very fun single player campaign, right? We look over at Madden, they had the long shot mode that they brought in that everybody really liked that campaign and that story. Of course, I always make jokes about NBA 2K and Jake from State Farm finding Ronnie 2K <laughs> out there and everybody they put in the neighborhood in the city. But this could be a fun idea of maybe stealing cues from the show and maybe making a campaign around Ted Lasso in season one and looking to either get relegated or find that hopeful promotion rights. I think that could be a really cool campaign that maybe they could make. Do yeah, you think, think that's possible? Yeah, I think that would be pretty smart. Listening to you lay it out that way, I think that'd actually be pretty brilliant to do. I think that would definitely get a lot of people that aren't necessarily, you know, into, into playing, you know, these type of games to jump in, to play it, to experience that. And then obviously the people that already are, it gives them an alternative from, from the normal grind that they do. So yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. 
Gary, you on board for that? Would you write that campaign up for me? Could you do that? I'm I mean, I'm, as we're talking, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, so how, how would this actually <laughs> be integrated into the game? I don't think they would do anything as, as, um, as extravagant as a whole like fictional kind of Ted Lasso, AFC Richmond career mode. That seems like if they, if they were doing that, I think we'd have heard about it by now, not as some late edition because the game's almost come, about right. to come out. Right. right. So um, it's, it's probably going to be like a little novelty thing that they've thrown in there. AFC Richmond as a, as a playable team with all the characters scanned in. The only thing that I'm struggling to think of is like how that would work in like, I don't know how you would do it in like a league in, in a league because, you know, all the all, all the leagues in FIFA accu accurately reflect the real teams. Like AFC mm. Richmond in the fictional world of Ted Lasso is a championship team. That's the team. That's the league below the Premier League. You know, remember, they got relegated at the end of season one. So their championship team for them to, to for them to be in that league, they would have to take the place of a real team. So I don't know exactly how that would how that would work. But. They'll, they'll they'll find some way it might even be like a konami code thing where it's like a little maybe it's an easter egg it's it's like not, not a thing that's integrated into the game in a major way but you can you can you know you can do like a like a one-off game or whatever with with the with the ted lasso richmond team I, they'll, they'll find some way I, I mean like i said I, i'm all for it why not god knows we need we need a laugh these days with everything that's going on in the world so i think a little bit of harmless silly fun it's a fun crossover it's good exposure for for Ted Lasso, maybe they're doing some kind of thing. Maybe there's a storyline happening in Ted Lasso. Maybe this is nothing to do with the game. There might be something. There might be a storyline in season three of Ted Lasso where you know they have to go through the through all the processes of having the players and the coach kind of motion captured and scanned in so they can be put into the new version of FIFA. This could this could be more of a TV thing than a video game thing, or maybe it's both. Maybe that's a storyline and it's something that's actually reflected in the new version of FIFA. I'm not entirely sure, but either way, I think that there's a potential to have fun with it. Is FIFA going to pop off this year, Gary? Would of course, it's a World Cup year, which means even more of the general audience that are not big into football and soccer here in the States will have eyes on this. Is this the type of year? I mean, you and I have seen it all the way past. I remember playing FIFA way back in the day with my cousin, and then they even made the off-brand just World Cup FIFA standalone games, if you yeah. remember. Is this the year where it pops off again because of the I'm World Cup? I mean, it's the swan song, right? And it's so they, they're going to go out big. You know, the FIFA games have always been generally very good. I think better than a, a lot of the EA sport. Like the Madden games just get beat up every year, right? Like no, no one's the Madden games sell a lot of copies, but no one seems to actually like them very much. Uh, but FIFA generally is quite well liked. People have their criticisms of it, but it generally does the job very, very well. It really is a remarkable game from a technical aspect. I mean, you can sit there and I've said this before, like previous FIFA games, like you walk into the living room, someone's playing FIFA. It takes you a second for you, to, for, for you to realize they're not watching a televised match because it really, that level of fidelity is just so remarkable. I think the more the, the more interesting question for me is what is the post-FIFA future for for EA look like we know we know it we know it's EA Sports FC we know they're doing this whole thing but like you, you just mentioned the World Cup this is going to be the last time they get to do the World Cup or the Champions League because all of those even though they can put in they can do deals with the individual clubs they can put Manchester United and um, you know PSG and Tottenham Hotspur and Chelsea and you know Inter Milan they can put all those clubs in there but they can't do the World Cup anymore they can't do the Champions League I don't know I don't know if they can even do the Premier League or the or the um, or the individual you know league competitions that all fall under the auspices ultimately of FIFA, right? You know, FIFA is the is the over is the overall organization that you know looks out, looks after you know UEFA, which does the Champions League and Concacaf and the Premier League. They're all you know they're all smaller, but they all report ultimately to FIFA. So I'm not sure 
what the league and the tournament structure that what kind of games and modes are going to be possible in a in a ea sports fc they certainly can't do the 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 world i mean the world cup's not going to be for another four years again but they certainly can't do the world cup because again that's a that's a that's a fifa product so it's interesting and really really interesting what ea sports fc is going to be is going to look like so exciting but shout out to ted lasso if you are in FIFA 2023, I gotta go look up this tweet epic. and see what it is. I'm really, <laughs> really excited. Uh, Paris and Gary, I want to take us back old school. This is a story that we missed last week, and I'm pretty pumped up about it, but I'm a little upset about it at the same time. Paris, it's time to play GoldenEye 007 finally over on Xbox because it now is officially confirmed to be coming to Xbox and on Game Pass for Xbox One xbox series x and s and also any players who own a digital copy of rare replay which i really encourage if you don't have rare replay it's on game pass you should go check out rare replay because it's really really dope and has some of the classic games but if you do own it digitally you will be able to download and enjoy the game free of charge of course this is recreated for the new age consoles with improved controller options dual analog stick support native 16 by 9 uh resolution up to 4k ultra hd where supported a consistent refresh rate and achievements to unlock brand new goldeneye 007 it will have multiplayer four player local split screen but for you xbox gamers no online multiplayer that feature will be exclusive to the switch version of the game personally let's first start off with goldeneye 007 because this is the classic Odd job, slappers only, golden gun, paintball, big head, all of the fun cheats and different modes you could play, but also an awesome campaign based around a great James Bond movie. Are you pumped up about this finally? <laughs> um, yes and no. Yes, I'm, I'm glad that this exists and mm -hmm. that people are going to get to play it. I mean, personally... I already know there's that nostalgia curiosity that I want to go check it out. Yes. I'll go check it out. And then I'll realize mm, this is a game from the nineties. Okay. I'm going to go back to playing what I normally play. <laughs> I don't. And, and, and I think the real bummer about this is the fact that on, on Xbox, you're not going to have uh, online multiplayer. Yes. So I think again, going into that curiosity, nostalgia, it would have been nice to have some online multiplayer to be able to, you know, play with a couple of my buddies. We go check it out. But the fact that I'm not going to have that, I already know my, my son, my kids and my youngest daughter, they will look at this and they will go, no, yep. thank you. And they're going to move on. But in the grand scheme of things, that's, that's an individual. So it's very subjective. I know that there's people that are excited about this. I know that there's people that have never been able to check out a golden eye game. They're going to be able to, you know, pick it up and, and take a look and, and judge for themselves. I just, I would have rather, and I, did we talk about this offline? I feel like I talked about this already, but I would have rather them treat this like the halo, uh, halo combat evolved. When they, when they re, when they did that, where you have the original graphics in there, but you do a, a visual upgrade to it yes. at the same time, and you can switch back and forth to kind of see all the improvements. I wish they did something like that. Um, so we'll we'll see. And I, I know there's achievement hunters out there that will definitely go play this to get all the achievements from it. So that's that's a cool aspect of it as well. But hey, I had my fill of it back in the day, but uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think this is necessarily for me. 
It is funny you bring that up because I believe when I was reading, doing all the research on that, I think the rumor was that the 360 version that they wanted to come out with did have that Paris where you could go back and forth between the graphic modes. That was the goal that they wanted to achieve. I don't see that happening here. I don't believe that's the same version that we'll see. But yeah, it's funny you bring that up, right, Paris? Because for me, someone who has their Xbox or their N64 always readily available, I have turned this on recently. And yes, it is funny to turn on NBA Streets or old school games that I love and go, hmm, it's just not quite up to right, par with today's right. standards. And this is tough to play and it hurts. And so, yeah, I was really let down that there's no online multiplayer because I think that would have given me more time with the game as opposed to I'm 100% going to play the campaign and go through that and remember all the moments. But I don't see myself really partaking a lot in local multiplayer, even when the studio comes into its own because there's so many other games to play. It's tough to want to go back to this one. But Gary, I mean, James Bond. You talked about some games that were James Bond-esque at the top of the show. What do you think about this? Are you jumping back in? The the uh, No, because the audience, as, uh, the point I was going to make was the audience for this game is very, very specific. Yeah. It's it's people that played and loved Goldeneye back in the day on the N64 and and, and almost no one else. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a handful of curious people. Oh, I mean, people, people always talk about Goldeneye. It's like this great game from back in the day. Let me check it out. Um, so they, they might, there might be a few curious people, but I don't think they're going to be that impressed because look, obviously Goldeneye was tremendous for a certain uh, uh, generation back who played it on the N64. Is, and there remains this a, a huge groundswell of nostalgic affection for it, but time has yeah. passed it by. I mean, this is not a shooter that I think you would choose to play over, you know, any of the other modern shooters that are out there right now. It is an exercise um, in nostalgia. And for people who are GoldenEye fans, I mean, their cup runneth over, right? Because you've got the Switch version as well mm-hmm. coming out, which does have online play, plus this Xbox version, which is offering, you know, a bunch of other stuff. I'm not, I'm actually not that bothered about the online play because the whole, when you talk, I, I think people that, that love the Nintendo version. That was not their experience of it. Then there was no online play back in the day. It was split. It was split screen, four player, and that is in the Xbox version. Makes it kind of makes Halo Infinite look bad, right? The Halo Infinite can't do split screen, but Goldeneye can. Ridiculous. Um, but um, I made this point on KFGD uh, last week when we when we when we talked about this. I actually think if there, there, there's an argument to be made that there is there there is something interesting here, and that back in the day. When we when when you when we were playing on the N sixty four, you were probably playing on like a nineteen inch, like a, a tw- like a thirty two yeah. inch TV. If you're lucky, that was like having a thirty two inch TV back in the day. You were a baller. Now people laugh at you with a thirty two inch TV. You're rocking seventy five inches back there, Mike. So you know the the thing the thing about that was not only were game were games on these like confined to these little these little kind of CRT boxes back in the day, but you carved that up into four for split screen. What are you looking at? Something the size of a postage stamp? How close are you sitting to the screen to see what your character's doing in four-player, you know, Goldeneye back in the day on this on your sad little 27-inch TV? Now you can carve up a 65 or a 75-inch TV, which a lot of people do have, you know, because the prices are coming down all the time. Um, and and play split-screen multiplayer, you know, much more uh, with much more viability than than uh, than you had back in the day. All that said, though, I, re- I I stand by my original comment. The audience for this game, and, it, and there's plenty of them. Trust, there's a lot of people out there that that, that still remember Goldeneye and, and love it and have a lot of affection for it. That's the audience for this game. This game was made for people that played and remembered and loved Goldeneye from back in the day. I think for the most part, this is not for for again. There might be a handful of like curious people that want to take a look because they they've heard that Goldeneye was a big deal back in the day. There might be some intellectual curiosity to check it out. But if you're not 
someone that has a lot of fondness for Goldeneye from the N64 days, I doubt this is going to be of much interest to you. And yeah. honestly, with the, the online, because I, I know people have been confused and stuff, I honestly think the reason the Nintendo version only has online is because they're... ROM emulator system already kind of yes. offered that with other N64 games that also didn't have online and stuff like that. So I don't think this was a, a choice from the developers to be like, oh, let's make this for online for Nintendo and a, a different for Xbox and stuff like that. I, I just think that was something that was already available that was just going to be implemented, you know? Agreed. Uh, Gaming Dads and Bear, can I be open and honest with both of you and oh, uh, Baird in the background? You know I love doing oh, this. God. I'm going to give you the Snowbike Mike spicy hot take. I liked Perfect Dark way more than James Bond Goldeneye. Perfect Dark for me was too. the ultimate yeah, that, N64 that does, that couch upset co-op me. game. That, doesn't upset that, does, yeah. that will upset some people out there, but I like that there, one. You're either a Goldeneye kid or you're a Perfect Dark mm-hmm. kid. So I oh. and, and sometimes you were both. I met a couple who were both, but yeah. That let me let me let me ask you. This going to like stir stir the pot even more because I I was very aware of it. I never I never played it, but I, but I do remember you know back. Back in the day when I was on PC Gamer there, there was a console magazine down the hall from us and I saw people crowded around the TV playing four-player Goldeneye. It obviously captured a lot of people's imaginations back in the day and people were, you know, pizza parties, you know, around you know, after school on a Friday night, everyone's playing Goldeneye. There obviously was something to it. But I, I, I want to ask the question, was it actually that good or was it just kind of the right game in the right place at the right time? Both. Yeah, both, for sure. It was the right game at the right time for the Mm -hmm. N64 that had the expansion pack, four controller slots, right? Couch co-op, shooter, everybody loved that. And, of course, it was based off of James Bond, right, with a cool campaign and all the Bond moments that you wanted. So, yeah, I think it had everything that you could have asked for at that time and era in gaming, for sure. It was... Go ahead, ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say from a from a memory standpoint, like there's certain games. I remember where I was when I picked it up. And I remember being at North County Square Mall in Escondido, California and Sears and picking and seeing it there and, and buying it and thinking this is going to be amazing. So, yeah, it was right place, right time. But it was it was significant. It was it was definitely a pivotal moment. And for, for me and my friends, like this was we continued to play this into like into the mid 2000s and stuff like we. You know, we weren't always like up to date on the the modern console, so we were still playing on N64s and stuff. And yeah, we made a, a lot of memories. I can, I I can see the like the apartments that you know I I lived in with my uh, <laughs> my mom at the time and stuff like that while we were sitting down and playing this on a Saturday morning. Oh man! And then the I, future James Bond games, Gary, was so dope. After that, they had the blue cartridge. I believe it was Nightfire, but that one had like a grapple hook. Gary had a really dope bank uh, robbing situation at the beginning of the campaign. There was some dope James Bond games afterwards too, for sure. I'm gonna. I was just, the final point I was just gonna make was that I think this actually is a game that probably will really benefit from the graphical, yeah, facelift. Mm. As I said before, PlayStation One and N64 are the two two console generations that have aged most poorly in terms of go back and look at the graphics now. It's, oh my god, how did I ever play this? That that mm. back in the day when you had when you when you had, when you had a PlayStation One or an N64, that leap to 3D was in itself so impressive that you were willing to forgive the fact that the graphics were shit. But go back and look now, and obviously we have much higher standards for 3D. That 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 smudgy, blocky, low frame rate vibe of the N64 and uh, and PlayStation One um, th- uh, 3D games. It's aged so so poorly. And I was going to make the argument that you almost don't want that toggle back to the legacy graphics button on Ooh. something like. I mean, maybe you do just to show like how far it's come. But like, yeah. mm-hmm. I guarantee, go go back and watch like a YouTube video of like N64, Goldeneye, or any kind of game from the, the Castlevania 64. Any of those games, they look 
awful, awful. I remember when Nintendo added the uh, N64 to the, oh, we're going to bring, you can play N64 games. And I was like, why would you want to? Like, they were great for the time, but they have aged so, so poorly. I think it's one of the reasons why the PlayStation 1 retro console they did aged poor, did not do well, because even though the games on it were not great, even the ones that were good are not games you necessarily want to revisit, just because the, the graphics by today's standards just look awful. Well, they're, they're, mm. I, I, would, I would argue more it's more of the, the gameplay aspect more than the 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 aesthetics of it because it's like watching this i'm like hell yeah this is goofy and but like i like i'm excited to replay uh 007 just because of like the the retro graphics and stuff but you know the the thing that i'm reminded of is like uh you know playing golden eye as an adult a few years ago where it's like oh yeah that was made for an n64 controller it's very what, 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 what is this footage that you're showing right here barrett this is golden this is golden eye right here. from this the n64 like. yes mm-hmm this actually looks a lot better than I thought it would. It, I, I, yeah, it's actually led. I, I feel like this has been this upscaled probably, or something. This is probably like cleaned up a little bit. Yeah, this has been upscaled yeah. or something because I, I, I remember it looking way fuzzier than this. No, but I, I will say watching this real time as we talk about this, if if that's what it looks like on, on Xbox, that seems very playable to me. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, correction, that was uh, 007 The World Is Not Enough on the N64 that I loved, and so many other games. And that's why I'm also excited about IO Interactive getting James Bond. Oh, they're gonna yeah, make the Hitman guys doing James Bond? Dope. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's gonna be, they're going to cook up something special. But, guys, I got to get you out of here. So let's, fin let's finish this episode with our final news topic. Of course, we're halfway through September, and I got to give you the Game Pass update of the second half of the month. Shout out to Xbox. Y'all make this so easy to do the podcast when you come out twice a month with the Game Pass updates. Easy segment to talk about always helpful uh out of course now death loop and hard space ship breaker on cloud and xbox series x and s so go check that out of course coming september 22nd you have spider heck on console and pc this is going to be a really fun party game for you and your friends so please go check that out i know i'm going to get the kind of funny crew myself to play a bunch of this so check that one out you have beacon pines on cloud console and pc slime rancher 2 on game preview on cloud pc xbox series x and s of course out in september 27th you have moon scars cloud console pc this is a pretty badass looking pixelated game that you want to check out grounded full release cloud console pc i heard today that grounded did go gold of course we're all pretty excited to check out that version 1.0 release next week out september 29th let's build a zoo cloud console pc that's another game you definitely want to check out it looks very cute and fun velheim is coming to game preview on pc if you did not get swept up in the hype of velheim last year now is the perfect opportunity because Velheim is a ton of fun with you and up to 10 friends playing that game is a blast. And then, of course, to wrap up the month, out September 30th, you have Paw Patrol Grand Prix, uh, Grand Prix on cloud console and PC. I know our good friend Randall Thor, the man with the million. I bet you he's probably playing that. Or Jazz, one of those two jabronis, I'm sure, is jumping into something weird like that. And, of course, we did talk about it earlier in the show. But a heads up for all you Xbox players out there. The Xbox app on PC has received some updates. Of course, make sure to go update your Xbox PC app right now because they've made improvements to the app, making it faster to launch and partnered with How Long to Beat. So you can view the estimates for how long it will take you to complete a game in the game's detail page for most of the PC Game Pass games. So make sure to go check that out. 
And with that, Paris and Gary, that is another week of the X-Cast podcast. Gary, we didn't get to promo it, so I'm going to give you the outro this week. Gun dog. We continue to blaze the trail, but I know there's only so much left. So, Gary, what do the Xbox fans, the X-Cast best friends, need to know about Gun Dog as we start to head towards the end? Well, you say that, Mike, but in some ways it's actually just the beginning because for the mm. for the for the Twitch live shows that we've been doing, yeah, we're we're coming into the final three episodes. Episode seven is um by the time people see this podcast, it'll be tonight, Wednesday night, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash Gary, where there's nine episodes. We've done six already, three more to go, but we're still waiting. And hopefully this will, there will be some news in literally in the next few days that the podcast version, which is where I think the main audience for this show is going to, people ask me every day, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? We've done a, um, uh, we did a deal with uh, one of the big kind of podcast distribution networks to get it, to put it on their system, get it in front of a much bigger audience. And I literally was just loading all the content into their system earlier today, all nine episodes are ready to go. I'll be pressing publish on that pretty soon. You can go right now to um, uh, any podcast search engine and type G-U-N-D-O-G Gundog into you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up for it right now. Right now there's a prologue and a couple of other little pieces available, but we'll be dropping um, episodes into the, into the feed um, within, within a matter of day. So for people who have been on the Twitch journey with me showing up Wednesday night at 7 p.m., uh, every week yeah we're coming we're coming to the um uh coming to the close of things now but for the for, i think for the vast majority of people that are going to discover uh the audio series that's going to be in, in podcast format and that is is just about to start in the next week or two there you go you got something to drop or something to listen to on your walk or over at the gym hang out with gary wood in this awesome story very very soon on podcast services and of course you can check them out over on twitch each and every week Paris, Gary, Barrett, it is time to say goodbye. Everyone, thank you so much for watching and listening. No matter where you are, thank you so much for watching and having fun with us. If you're watching over on YouTube, do me a favor. Drop a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel to help support the Kind of Funny team. And with that, we're out of here. Peace, gamers. Until next week.